Welcome to the Prodigy Maker Show with Chris Lewitt. Chris Lewitt is an internationally recognized high-performance coach, educator, and author of two best-selling books, The Tennis Technique Bible and The Secrets of Spanish Tennis. The show can be watched live, and video versions of the show are archived at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. And now, here's Chris. Show with Chris Lewitt. It's great to have you guys back. This is episode 70, Simple Things you can do to help your kid win more at tournaments or to win more matches. That's kind of the idea. And this is actually for everybody, but specifically for some of my students, particular Drew, Aaron, a couple other guys that I promise this to probably be good for uh, Sam as well. But you guys are out there. I know you guys follow the channel. And I just wanted to share some simple strategies, simple ways you can help your kid, or if you're watching this yourself and you're a player, simple ways that you can win more matches. I know everybody wants to win more matches at tournaments. And I've been kind of shocked learning from my students that they don't know the right things to do at tournaments and they often sabotage themselves and cause themselves to have poor performances. So I want to talk about how to increase the level of performance at tournaments in competition during matches. And I'm going to try to keep the strategies very simple. I'm not talking about esoteric topics. I want to dig into the simple ways you can help your kid or you can help yourself win. Win more, compete better. So I'd like to start talking about pre-match. And pre-match for example, I have uh, a student, Aaron, Aaron Wang, great kid. He's been training with me every week in Vermont here at the academy. And he's rising very fast in his level, in his ranking, in his rating. He's improving very quickly right now, which is very exciting. And one of the biggest things we did recently, he just won his first L5, so I'm super proud of him. And one of the big things he did, we talked about it yesterday actually, and he told me that he followed better routines before the tournament. And his dad is a great dude, very good dad, very good coach. You know, his dad is coach, basically his road coach, his travel coach. And I try to work with his dad to help him come up with the best possible routines pre-match to help, you know, Aaron play his best. So Aaron was telling me he, what helped him the most is number one, we, we don't let him sleep close to match time, you know, sleep before the match. So sometimes he was taking naps in the car, on the drive to the, to the tournament. And that was a disaster. Like his whole body, his, his, uh, his parasympathetic nervous system was turned on, you know, his rest and digest and his sympathetic nervous system, you know, the fight or flight system got sort of deactivated to a certain extent and he would have sluggish starts and sluggish matches so one of the big things we did is eliminate sleeping or napping a couple hours before a match you should never nap in the car if you're if you're going to arrive at the club and and play soon thereafter so i would definitely advise you guys if you're a parent out there like don't let your kid uh, nap too close to match time you could do a nap maybe midday if the match is in the evening at like 7 p.m., but be careful about napping too close to match time. And I'll just talk to parents here, but you know, if, if you're a player watching, if you're a coach watching, this is 
same advice for you guys as well. You'll get the same out of it. Uh, so the other thing that Aaron and, and I, we did, and with his dad as a team, we, we tried to make sure that he's getting a good warm-up, a tennis warm-up, and it has an efficient tennis warm-up, not like a long two-hour practice. Like sometimes Aaron would practice up to hour and a half, two hours, he told me, and then he would actually tire himself out so that in a match he was a little bit worn down. So I think that's really good advice too, just learning from, from this uh, recent experience with Aaron. Don't warm up too long. Definitely get a warm up, get a good tennis warm up. But, you know, it can be 30 minutes, can be 45 minutes. And just play some points, warm up, and then simulate some point play with serve and return. That's probably the best, most efficient way to warm up. You can de decide and define your own warm up parameters, but in general, get some light hitting and play points and, and sort of visualize how you're going to play in live point situations. Some people like to drill before a match or work on a lot of serve targets or things like that. Just, just I think the, the best possible way is to actually just play some points. And a lot of my students tell me that they don't have time to warm up, they can't get a court, uh, they're having problems logistically setting up a tennis warm up, but I think that's really unacceptable, especially if you're traveling to a big tournament with good players you need to do a tennis warm-up. The players who skip the tennis warm-up usually have mixed results. Their results are more uneven. So I highly recommend pre-match, get a good warm-up. You know, make sure you're hitting some balls and you can sort of figure out the best way you like to warm up through trial and error. But in general, I say play points, you know, warm up and play points. By the way, if you're listening live and I see we have some people watching the show live, if you have any questions about how to play better at tournaments, pre-match, during the match, or post-match, I'll try to do my best to give you some simple answers. So the other thing that Aaron and I were talking about that really helped them is we did some activation, activation before the, the match, really close to match time. I made sure he does some nervous system activation. What I mean by that is we do some fast, uh, fast feet, uh, like feet fire or different little footwork exercises, footwork exercises. Uh, quick feet exercises that he can do anywhere with a tennis ball in a parking lot and in a small space. And I like him to do, so he does a little jump rope and he has a little routine that he does with the racket, like shadow strokes, you know, simulating the, the starting of a point and some movements during a point. And you can do that anywhere. You don't need a tennis court to do that. And I think that type of activation is very good for the body, obviously very good for the, to get the sympathetic nervous system going. And also good for visualization because if you have the racket, you can visualize like how you're going to swing, how you're going to play while you're doing your, your nervous system activation, your physical footwork activation. Very good. Takes 10 minutes and you can get a little sweat going and gets the player more primed to have a good performance right from the start rather than having a slow start. So you're gonna, you want to guard against slow starts. Taking a nap can, can cause a slow start. Lack of uh, nervous system activation can cause a slow start. You know, kid, uh, what a kid does right before the match, I think is very important. For example, I'll just use Aaron. As, sorry to beat, beat up on you, Aaron. But like, for example, you know, Aaron and, and, and his dad and I were talking about how a lot of times before a match, he just kind of lounge around, maybe 
talk to friends, maybe play video games. And I think for a lot of kids, that's not a good recipe for success, you know. So what, what we did now is have Aaron going to a quiet place and doing some visualization and a little bit of meditation, like some quiet breathing, takes, go to a quiet spot or to play music. Music is also very good to put on the headphones and play. You could do some quiet calming music or you could, could, could do some, some powerful music to get yourself energized. But, but at the same time, closing your eyes and in a way meditating and visualizing how you're going to play. Maybe a strategy that you're going to use. Maybe um, play out the first few games in your mind and really vividly visualize how you're going to play. And, and I used to do that in, in my when I was a junior. And I think it's a really, really good way to get your mind ready to compete well. So all of those things pre-match, guys, you know, not sleeping, activation, good tennis warm-up, meditation and visualization, building blocks. These are basic, simple building blocks that players who win more matches at tournaments, they do that kind of stuff. And players who I find don't win that much or they win they have uneven results, they tend not to do that so much. So uh, it kind of, uh, you can make a simple reminder like uh, nutrition, another one I just wanted to throw in there. Nutrition is almost everything. If you don't have nutrition, none of the other stuff is going to work. So that means three or four hours before the first match, you're getting a good carbohydrate rich meal with a low glycemic index carbohydrates. Those are the not the fast acting sugars, but but slow acting sugars that you can basically build up your glycogen stores in your body. You know, you, you want to make sure you have a good carbohydrate storage in your body because tennis is going to be, is going to drain your, your glycogen stores. Tennis is requires a lot. The, the act of playing tennis requires a lot of glucose, basically a lot of sugar, a lot of carbs. So you need to have a really good carbohydrate rich meal about three or four hours before the first match in terms of nutrition you need to stay hydrated. You need to drink water regularly. There's different hydration um, recommendations based on your body weight or, how, or your sweat rate. So you, if you're interested in the exact specifications for hydration, you can you look. The, there's some tables you can look those up online. You can look up some of the research online. But essentially, you know, you want to basically the easiest way is to make sure that you're you're peeing clearly. You know, you make sure that you're you're peeing a lot and you're peeing clearly. You don't want you don't want a colored urine, which indicates you might be dehydrated. But there's, depending on your sweat rate and depending on your body weight and some other factors, you know, that you can customize your, your hydration levels. But basically, you should be drinking, sipping water, you know, leading up to a match. And you need three or four hours. Why three or four hours? To give your, your body time to digest the meal. You don't want a big fatty meal. You don't want to... Um, you don't want a uh, high, high, high glycemic sugar meal because you, you don't want the sugars to be kicking in. You're all wired up and then the sugars to be um, gone. Your energy to be gone and you have like a depression right before the match starts. So you want low glycemic index carbs, not too fatty a meal, not too much uh, cheese. or You don't need a ton of protein or a ton like no, you don't want anything heavy that's going to like be difficult to digest. Basically, you want things that are relatively easy to digest. You have a couple hours to digest leading up to the match. And then what I worked on with Aaron, for example, most recently, I do this with lots of players, is have a small, maybe slightly higher glycemic index snack 30 to 45 minutes before the match starts, maybe even 
15 or 30 minutes before the match starts. So you get um, maybe a bagel or some fruit or nothing heavy. Maybe you have a Cliff Bar. Like Cliff Bar was my go-to pre-match uh, snack because I, I tolerate it very well. I Like a peanut butter Cliff Bar, I know exactly how it's going to um, feel in my digestive system and I, I, I never get a stomach upset from that. You want something that's very easy to digest and that's not going to upset your stomach. But that's sort of like the nutritional program leading into a match. Like it starts three or four hours ahead. You're, you're drinking water, you're drinking from your from your thermos, or you're drinking bottles of water. You have a nice, nice big carbohydrate-rich meal, but that's not too too heavy. That's not too difficult to digest. And um, make sure you chew your food. Like simple things like that. Like chew your food. Food. Um, that's part of the digestive process. You know, the 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 your mouth and your teeth are part of the digestive system. So you want to chew your food well, so that when it goes into your stomach that it, it's easier to digest. It goes through your, through your, um, your intestinal system and it's easy, to di- you know, it's easy to digest. You don't want an upset stomach. That'll kill your performance if you have an upset, upset stomach. But at the same time, if you don't have the right kind of nutrition in your body or if you're dehydrated, that will also affect your performance in a negative way. So these are like basic building block things just before the match starts. Uh, nutrition, warm-up, activation, meditation, visualization. How about a little bit of a strategy? You know, some kids just go to the match. Uh, they're playing on their phone, playing a video game. The tournament director calls calls match. And they're like, okay, all right, let's go, go to the bathroom quickly and I'm on. And I just think that's really bad. You know, you, you, should, you should be, before the match is called, you should be well activated, your nervous system activated. Your, uh, your physical body warmed up and sweating, ready to go. So you have your physical warm-up. You, you should feel loose and buttery. That's the thing I talk about a lot with my students. You should feel buttery. You should feel loose and elastic. You know, you, you cannot go into a match feeling stiff and tight. You have to make sure your body is very elastic. So whether that's dynamic stretching, static stretching, different types of warm-ups, you have to be warm, loose, elastic, these are things that I take for granted when I when I used to. I'm not competing at the at the moment, but whenever I compete, like these are things that I I just do automatically. I must have learned those from my coaches over the years. I must have learned those from teammates, from from the in, people that influence me, people around me. And I I I think when even when I was a kid, I always had like very good very good habits, like in terms of rituals and routines. And I guess a lot of my students. They just don't know. A lot of parents don't know. This, is, this video is geared especially towards parents because I think parents a lot of times don't understand how to prepare their kid to play better. And then they, they after the match is over and the kid lost, they're like, geez, I had a good week of practice. I don't know what I did wrong. You know, like my kid was playing pretty well on Wednesday and, and now here we go again. He lost the first set 6-2 on a Saturday and, and uh, he's, gonna, he's out of the tournament again. You know, that can be really frustrating. I even have a couple more notes on on uh, pre-match. I guess there's a lot of pre-match T's to cross and I's to dot here. You know, like blocking and tackling. Basics. Basics. As my old coach used to say. Intra- you know, fundamentals here. How about the night before or a couple nights leading up? Is the kid getting good sleep? Good sleep patterns. You know, getting 
most teenagers need, you know, eight hours minimum, I would say. There's different research on sleep. So there's a lot of debate and controversy about how many hours you need. But, you know, should be very well rested. Eight, nine, ten hours is, is not too much for a, a teenager, you know. And that should happen the week leading up to a big event. So a lot of kids not getting any sleep. And then, like, the night before, they're like, okay, I'm going to get a little ex extra hour of sleep. But that may not that may not be enough for the body to feel, uh, the body and mind to feel fresh for the tournament and that they, the player may have a poor result because of that. I wanted to talk in, in, uh, in these, these ideas, one very, very important one, especially for parents. Parents, don't stress your kid out. Whether it's before the match, during the match, after the match, your job as a parent probably your number one job, even if you're coaching your kid, you're doing everything for your kid, you're doing everything you can to help your kid, don't do shit. I'm going to use big word now. Don't, you, don't do shit that makes your kid stressed out. Don't do it. Because so many parents, not on purpose, just inadvertently, you know, they, they do stuff that stress their kid out. And now your kid's going into the match tight, nervous, worried, what anxious, you know. So, Try to take stock of what, as a parent, if you're bringing your kid to a lot of tournaments, a lot of matches, try to analyze what you are doing and make sure that you are creating an environment for your kid that where your kid is not stressed out. So, for example, some parents just, it's not their fault. They're, they're well-meaning, but like maybe they start talking to their kid too much in the car ride on the way to the tournament. Or maybe you're nagging your kid about something or maybe you're talking about something that's not even related to tennis like something about their grades in school or whatever i have four kids I, i'm talking to my kids all the time about stuff but when i bring my son to a national running event my son's a competitive runner or i bring my daughter to a wrestling event my my daughter's a wrestler for example i know when to shut up you know i know i know not to say that much i've learned that over the years as a coach and particularly as a parent like i know to say less probably say less is more less is more say less don't say too much and be very careful with the words you use. Be very careful with your body language because, you know, for example, just, just body language like this. And we're going to talk about it. Like if you're watching the match or like in the warm up, you know, your face, face pre-match, you know, try to be very, very careful with your body language. You may be nervous as a parent. A lot of parents get nervous. So if like the parent's nervous, parent starts talking a lot, parent starts doing stuff that's you know, guys, that, that kind of stuff, it like, it creates a whole nervous energy that affect, that can affect your kids. So I would say parents be very, very careful to like insulate your kid from, from stress and anxiety. All right, let's talk a little bit about during the match. There's more. Yeah. During the match, what's happening during the match? Um, first of all, I think you should make you should have a plan for cheating. There's a lot of cheating going on in junior tennis. It's a nightmare. It's been a nightmare for years and years. It, and it's all going to go away, maybe not in the next couple of years, but certainly in the next decades, it's going away. It's, there's going to be no more cheating in junior tennis, at least with the line calling, because we have new electronic systems, camera systems, computer systems that, that are becoming cost-effective and cost-possible for a lot of clubs. And so 
they are going to eliminate bad line calls. So that's kind of exciting. But but in the meantime, in the interim, you need a plan for cheating. So I was joking with some of my students, like, you know, Arthur Ashe was very ge gentlemanly. He's a gentleman. And if the guy was cheating him, like, he'd give the guy one or two bad calls, and then he'd go up to the net and calmly say, you know what, you know what, my friend, I think we should call a line judge for you and I, for, for both our sakes, you know, basically send the message to the player like that. So that was like the Arthur Ashe gentleman way. I had an old coach who used to tell me, and I think it's hilarious, I never actually did this, but he used to tell me, you know, if the guy's cheating you, go up to the net the same way Arthur Ashe did, but then pull the guy aside and say, hey, you know what, if you give me another bad line call, I'm going to find you after the match in the parking lot, and I'm going to kick your ass. And I had a coach used to tell me that, and I now, thinking back, I just I think it's hilarious. Now, that's like a, the diametrically opposite approach to Arthur Ashe. That's like, okay, vigilante, vigilante action. It's, it's vigilante uh, dealing, with, dealing with cheaters in the vigilante way. But obviously, it's not socially acceptable, and you're probably going to get you're probably going to get in a lot of trouble. If not with the law, you're probably getting in a lot of trouble with the USTA or the UTA. you probably get suspended. But, you know, in between those two opposites, there's got to be a middle ground. You know, you have to stand up for yourself. You maybe do need to call an umpire. A lot of kids will cheat back. I can't condone that. I don't think it's right, but I understand it because kids and parents are so frustrated with a system that's broken and a system that is basically... Uh, allowing uh, kids to, to cheat, you know, allowing kids to take and steal points and change score and all, all, those, all the shenanigans that are going on. So, so some kids will actually, um, they'll go that, that uh, Wild West route, you know, there's, there's no lawmen around and they're just going to like cheat back or they'll, they'll take, a, take a call back and they'll go up to them and say, hey, if you keep cheating me, I'm going to cheat you. Let's just squash this. Let's just let's just start fresh. You don't cheat me anymore, and I won't cheat you, and we'll have a clean match from here. You know, some people try that approach, you know. So you got like Arthur Ashe gentleman approach. You have like extreme vigilante approach, threatening violence. You have the the cheat back approach, where you, where you, where you're gonna take the law into your own hands to a certain extent. The the Wild West approach and probably everywhere in between. And you have to decide with your kid, like what is gonna be your plan? What are you gonna do? Are you gonna be the gentleman or gentle lady? Are you gonna be, are you gonna be a vigilante? I mean, you're gonna, if you're crazy, maybe, maybe you're gonna go the vigilante route or, or maybe somewhere in between. Maybe you have you know, certain situations where you, you can, some parents will, I've had parents who, who said, you know, if, if my kid's getting cheated, I, 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 I tell them it's okay. For them to take uh, a call back if they're trying to level the situation, there's you know two, two wrongs don't make a right. But in this case, special situation, I I condone that for my kids. And I've had many parents who say, "No way, my kid's never going to cheat ever. Um, we will take the high road and we'll basically take the the Arthur Ashe approach." So, you know, I, I understand all of those positions. So I'm just gonna like sit here on my fence and look down uh, on both sides of the fence on that one. But the, my point is, don't just send your kid into competition without a plan to deal with cheating because cheating is one of the quickest ways that your kid's going to get lose their focus and become distracted and basically 
flame out of a match. You know, so you can have a great week of practice. Your kid goes, does everything right in the pre-match, then gets cheated really badly, and then like is a mental wreck, and like the match is over. So like nobody wants that. So you need to have a plan. How are you going to deal if the guy is manipulative? If the guy's a cheater, how are you going to handle it? What are you going to do as a player? The parent or coach should should prepare a kid for that. There should be a plan for that. Like, okay, after the first bad call, I'm going to get the umpire. After the first bad call, I mean, you know the vigilante and Wild West approach, okay? <laughs> Whatever, you know. Make sure you have a plan. Changeovers. During changeovers, you should be maybe checking notes, maybe meditating, maybe put the towel over your head, closing your eyes, trying to breathe and stay calm. You should be maybe thinking about a few tactical tidbits, a few tactical approaches that, that you want to implement. Uh, you should not be at the changeover mindless like looking out, watching the match over on the next court, um, blah, blah, blah. Changeover is very, very important as a time to regroup mentally, regroup strategically. Also, it's your most important time nutritionally and hydration-wise. You should be snacking every changeover. I tell my students that a lot. My, sometimes my students look at me like I have three heads or something. They, they look at me like, what do you mean snacking? But you should have a little bites, little little nib niblets, little nuggets, little tidbits of of some a carbohydrate rich snack to keep your you want to keep your glucose levels high in your bloodstream because the body runs on glucose, the, the muscles run on glucose, the brain runs on glucose and oxygen. You need you got oxygen hopefully if you're breathing. And you need glucose, and you need to keep your glycogen stores. Glycogen is, is where, is how glucose is stored in the cells, in the muscles. So you 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 need you need glycogen, you need glucose to think straight, to think clearly, in, in order to perform well. So main over the course of a match, you got to keep your. It's like you maintain your fuel level, and if you a lot of kids don't snack during a match, and then they're their glucose levels drop, you know, and, and they start to, lo and behold, they start to have struggles with their performance. Their performance levels go down, even, even just, just a few percentage, percentage points, for example. And they say, I don't know what happened. I played a really good first set, and then by the first few games in the second set, I, 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 I didn't feel the same, you know. Um, I think that's really, really common, not maintaining glucose levels, uh, not, not keeping the nutrition high. could be vitamins and minerals. You know, I like Cliff Bars and I like um, energy drinks that, have, that are fortified with vitamins and minerals like electrolytes because those, those, you can also maintain your, your vitamin, mineral, and electrolyte levels throughout the course of a match too, which is also very important. And then hydration, stay, keep, you know, drinking steadily every changeover, very, very important. Uh, what else can you do uh, during the match? Strategy. You should have uh, strategy. You should have you should have different things that you're trying. You should you should have like you know you should be actively trying to solve the riddle. You should act be actively trying to problem solve what's going on. You don't just play one way. You feel your opponent throughout the match, and you try to make adjustments. Make adjustments in your tactics and strategy. That's what tennis is. Some kids don't do that. Some kids. 
They, they, they say, okay, I'm playing this match. Some kids don't have any strategy. They're just out there and they're just, the ball comes, like, see ball, hit ball, like a caveman. No, you, you, you try to actively figure out what is my opponent's weaker, basics of tennis. What, what is my opponent's weaker stuff, like weaker shots? Low balls, high balls, running shots. Maybe the opponent's bad at the net. Maybe my opponent is, yeah, we talked about the warm-up. We did a whole pre-match talk. I just had a question pop up. We did a whole pre-match talk. You catch, catch it when, we, when I upload the video. We talked about pre-match, now we're into the match stuff, and I'm, I'm gonna try to talk about post-match. I can't believe how many things there are, how many ducks there are to put in a row, but there is a lot of stuff, and, and my point is, a lot of these things, whether it's just one thing or a multitude of these areas, they're, they're getting overlooked or by parents, by players, by coaches, and then the player, the player underperforms and then everyone on the team is like upset. You know, everyone obviously, especially after you have a good week of practice, nobody wants to go to the tournament and play poorly after a really good week. You know, that's a shame. And usually I would submit to all you guys, if you have a player who's playing pretty well in practice and when you look at their past year results, like the results are like waves, you know, like up and down, occasional good win, a lot of bad losses, a lot of first round exits, you know, difficult, you know, strange score, unexpected scores against players the guy or the, the, the guy or girl should beat. If you see like a lot of, uh, like a checkered past, it's going to be, and the players play, plays well in practice, it's going to be a lot of these things that I'm talking about, these simple building blocks. The, the player for sure is missing some of these things. And it could be one of them, could be a lot of them. And that usually causes a lot of unequal, uh, uneven results, you know, un unexpected results. During the match, parents, did I mention don't stress out your kid? So if you're watching the match, be careful. The kid's watching you too. Are you, are you standing there with your arms crossed? Are you making faces? Are you jumping up and down? Are you, are you yelling at the, the ref? Are you, are you, you know, are you doing distracting things? It, it could just be your face, you know, be careful with your face. Why do you think coaches, you see like, watch Jose Higueras watching a match or watch, watch Juan Carlos Ferrer watching Alcaraz. You know, they got the sunglasses on. They don't show that much usually. I mean, some coaches show more emotion than others, but it's usually positive. You don't see a coach typically in the corner, you know, frowning and making faces and looking all cloudy. That's usually not a good sign, not, not good for the player. So as a parent, you got to understand, if you're there watching your kid, you insist on watching the kid's match, you have a right to watch the match. I don't like when kids tell parents not to watch the match. I think the kids should deal with that in most cases, you know. Or sometimes if the kid is so stressed out by the relationship with one parent, I'll have the other parent go. Like mom or dad could switch in terms of watching the match because sometimes the, the stress is like so high for the kid. But usually try to work through it and just, just as a parent, you have to be aware of like your body language, your facial expressions, what you say, what you're doing over there on the sideline. Be very careful. Don't stress your kid out. Your number one job is to give your kid a, a calm state of mind so your kid can try to play his or her best tennis. You just, you need your kid to be calm. You can't do stuff that stresses out your kid because a stressed out kid gets tight, stressed out kid does not going to play his his or her best should we talk a little bit about post-match and then we'll kind of wrap it up because i think there's a lot of ideas here that that are simple but important post-match huge recovery 
A lot of players do not recover well. A lot of parents don't make their player recover well. You should take a shower in between matches. That's going to sound a little crazy, but you should always take a nice recovery shower. It's good for the mind. It's refreshing. It's good for the body. Helps flush metabolic waste. Swimming is great. Hot tub is great. Icing things that are sore to reduce inflammation. Stretching. Nutrition. Hydration. These are like just, you, you go one by one. All these things need to happen if you have, if you have access to, to, to those type of to the modalities that I mentioned. But, but as best you can, these things should be happening post-match. And preferably really soon post-match. You get your nutrition in. Maybe you get a, a, a balanced uh, balanced nutrition, carbohydrate, and protein. And if you're not sure how much, there's a lot of good research out there on, on you know, based on body weight, how many grams of protein you can take in, and how much carbs you need for proper refueling. And you can experiment with that with your kids. So, so um, you get quick refueling. Sometimes a shake is the fastest way to, you know, like a, some sort of um, powder or mix is maybe the fastest way to regenerate uh, and to refuel and then you're going to need uh, a meal a larger meal carbohydrate rich if the if your next match is three or four hours away if you have a match one hour away uh, it's very very tricky to to get the recovery right because you really do you really should take a shower at, at the minimum you should stretch in the shower or stretch after the shower you should you need to hydrate big time big time hydration you need to refuel, and then you and you can't refuel too much because you don't want to stress your digestive system, and the match might be one hour away. So it's very very tricky if you have uh, only like one hour break in between, and parents have to manage that. Whoever's whoever's on the road with the kid has the player has to manage that, or the parent has to manage that. You have to get all those things right, and otherwise otherwise the, the match coming up is going to be a disaster. There's going to be like the kid's going to fall off a cliff. Another thing, debrief. I think a debrief, something I learned on the ambulance. You know, I'm an EMT, and I volunteer for my local ambulance in my town. And debriefing is a concept that I learned in EMS, emergency medical services, and I, I love the term. And it just means after a, a 911 call or after any kind of emergency, you come together with your team and you talk about what you did right and what you did wrong. And I find that. A lot of players do not do that. You know, the, the match is over, won or lost, and it's like, okay, I'm going to go play my video game or whatever. And I think it's very important to have a good debrief session. It can be a short debrief, debrief session. It can happen in the car. It can happen at the club. It can happen later. It doesn't have to have to be immediate, but it should happen, and it should lead to some, some ideas to work on the following week. You know, you bring the what you what you take from your debrief you write down a few notes and then you bring that back to your coach to work on during the week and then that's how you, that's the process of getting better so i just think the debrief is very important where you go over some things you did well some things you didn't do well take a few notes and then you say okay this is what i want to practice on when i go back to my to the to my coach or wherever i'm training back home a lot of kids don't do a debrief so a lot of kids forget what they did well, what they did wrong. The coach asks them on Monday or the coach asks them on Tuesday or Wednesday. And the kid's like, I don't know, I was in the middle, it's the heat of battle and uh, 
I think I did this right. And sometimes you ask the parent and the parent gives you a different story than the kid. And nobody, you know, a lot of times people don't remember. So it's important to debrief relatively close to the event so that you have a good memory of what happened. You take, you, you take uh, stock of that. You, you write down some notes and then you have some information that you can use to help yourself grow during the practice week. If players don't do that week in, week out, they usually see less progress. And that can affect their, you know, how fast they go up in their rating, how fast they improve over the course, over longer periods of time, like months or years. Uh, players who debrief and then go to work on those things are going to improve faster than players who play a tournament, don't really know what happened, and they just go back to practicing random stuff during the week. That's not an efficient way to get better. So debriefing, very important. Taking notes, very important. Did I mention parents don't stress out your kid? So after the match, please don't do stuff that stresses out your kid. So that could mean like going right up to them and telling them like, you did this right, you did this wrong, how could you do this or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I mean, maybe the kid's not ready for that. Maybe the kid needs to go take a shower first and you gotta be smart as a parent. Let your kid cool down, especially if they lost. Maybe you do that over the post-match meal the you know during the nutritional time but you know you have to choose selectively when's a good time to debrief and talk to your kid and just with your body language it, just, it can be nothing you say nothing but if you're clearly angry that uh that your kid lost the second set played a sloppy second set but then pulled it out in the tiebreaker in the third i mean you 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 got to cover that up you can you got to be a good actor and not say not say or do anything with your body language that makes them know that you're discouraged because the kid's gonna pick up on that and then the kid might be stressed out for the next match or they might not be in a good headspace for the next match. So you gotta do everything you can to keep your kid low stress so he can he or she can play, you know, the next match really well, obviously. Another thing that I've been working on a lot with Aaron and with other players that I'm that I'm coaching is is if you have a tricky match schedule at a tournament, there's a lot of organization that has to happen for you to win a tournament and to go many rounds in a tournament. So, like, for example, in the last L5, Aaron had a match at 5 and then a match at 7 on a Saturday. And then the, the quarters or the semis the next day, like, at 9 or 10. Like, that is very, very tricky. That schedule is very, very tricky. Evening matches are tricky. Late night matches are tricky. You got to, it's very tough to pull off like two matches into the late evening, come back fresh the next morning and win the quarterfinals or win the semifinals in a, like a typical weekend L5 or weekend tournament. Very tough to do that and takes a lot of planning and organiza organization. I assume the parent's going to help a kid with that typically. Most teenagers, I mean, my teenagers are all over the place. They, they're, they're not very they're working on they're they're working on being more mature and and getting more organized but in many ways i think a parent can help a kid with those aspects like okay we're going to get the hotel very close to the club so we don't have a big drive after the late night finish we're going to get a hotel maybe with a pool we're going to get a hotel with maybe a, a bathtub so we can do like a nice hot recovery bath we're going to uh, make sure that there's good a good good place to refuel, like an Italian rest, good Italian restaurant, or whatever it is, or or, or Chinese restaurant. I, I personally like rice. A lot of people like pasta. You know, whatever it is, yeah, get everything lined up. Okay, as soon as the match finishes, you hit the shower, do a quick stretch, get the nutrition shake, or we do a refueling mix, or we go straight to the restaurant. We have our meal, you know, and then we're gonna we're gonna get 
to bed as quickly as possible so we can get as much sleep as possible. Sleep is so important. Uh, sleep is uh, very important in, the, in that overnight planning process, getting ready for the next day. If you have a late night match and then the morning early match, that is really, really tough to navigate because you got to get up. You're supposed to get up three, four hours and have your meal before the match starts. What if your match starts at 8 a.m.? Could be a disaster. You know, you're going to get up at 5 a.m. and have a meal. Some people do that. You might have to have a little bit smaller meal that's easier to digest one or two hours before the next morning match. You know, are you going to, you got to keep your hydration levels up. You got to get your sleep. You, you got to go through, how are you going to get a warm-up first thing early in the morning the next day? Very difficult. You, you may have to get a quick tennis warm-up or you may have to just go with your activation. You might have to do your activation warm-up and, and a lot of visualization if you don't have the ability to get to the tennis court. But I almost always want a tennis warm-up before any kind of big match or before any kind of first-round match. Guys, very important. So you have that post-match recovery that has to be like a really solid routine. I see kids, what typical kids, they don't want to take a shower. No, I just changed my shirt. Are you kidding me? No way. That's very unprofessional. You got to hit the shower right away. It's good for your body. It's good for your muscles. Good to refresh the mind. You're going to flush metabolic waste. It's very, very important to do that. Maybe you go into the shower, you visualize, think about, okay, what I do well. Think back to the match. What I do, what I do not so well. How am I going to play this next guy? The, the match is coming up in one hour. Teach your kid all that stuff. Make your kid do that stuff. Change clothes. Change gear. No way you're playing with like wet socks or sweaty clothes. No, refresh yourself. You can be like a totally refreshed player versus the guy who's like hit the video games. No, I'm too lazy to take a shower. I'll just change my shirt. I got to stay up. You know, I'm playing... Uh, I don't know what is the Clash, Clash Royale or whatever the stupid games are. I gotta check my game or check my check my socials or whatever. Forget that. Professional routines, professional recovery after the match. Your kid is gonna win more matches that way. If you can get through a, a late Friday, late Friday night, or two matches late on Saturday night, come back again and win eight, nine, or ten a.m. in the morning on Sunday or the next day. That tells me a lot about your organization, your maturity, and the way that you're, you know, the, the things that you're doing at a tournament to help yourself play better. And the best kids, the kids who are at the top of the rankings, the kids who are going to nationals, the kids who are, have they've all figured out how to go to tournaments and clean up like that. They figured out routines and rituals. They may have just lucked into it. They may just be a natural a lot of times they have a parent who's very organized and helps them with all these things. A knowledgeable parent is, is, is invaluable. Or a coach. Some kids travel with a coach. Not many kids can afford to have a coach traveling with them all the time. You know, So usually it comes down to the parent and the player. But all of those ducks in a row, all, a lot, all those simple things that I mentioned are going to be... Most of the kids who are at nationals, they've, they've, they've mastered most of those things. They may not have everything that I mentioned, but they're doing a lot of those things right. They're checking a lot of boxes there. So that, so that enables them to pretty much win all of their local matches or win a very, very high percentage of their local matches. And thus, they have a top ranking in their section, and then they can go to nationals and play the best kids in the country. And then maybe they have to check a few more boxes to win at nationals. But, you know, guys, I hope you found this helpful. It's something that I'm passionate about because it's concrete practical, simple things you can do that will help 
you or it will help your kid win right away. It has nothing to do with practice necessarily. It has nothing to do with your kid's technique or you know things like that. This is uh, all, of the, all of the little foundational things that will give your kid the best chance to win at tournaments. And a lot of the things are, are, are relatively easy to manage and control with the right amount of diligence and organization. Guys, if you like this Prodigy Maker show, have you been checking out my Prodigy Maker Minute? All right, people love the Prodigy Maker Minutes. We've got some new minutes coming up. I'm going to be trying to get some more shows before the, the, the summer starts. I have a crazy spring coming up. I've been coaching like every day. I, there's no day off for Chris right now. But fortunately, I'm a soldier and I love being on the tennis court. So I don't mind grinding every day. You know, that that's what I want to do on tour. But unfortunately, because of injuries, I'll have to be a professional coach, grinding it out with my students on the, the teaching court rather than traveling the pro tour like Alcaraz. I'm so jealous. The guy's amazing. But uh, I don't mind. I don't mind the grind. I love being on the court, so I'm not going to complain that business is great. And we have exciting summer camp coming up. Many of the weeks are basically full. There are some a couple weeks that are not full yet. I encourage you, if you want to come train with me in the summer in the beautiful mountains of Vermont, we have a very special high-performance camp. It's really awesome. Please let me know soon because there are some weeks already full, and then there, are, there is a little bit of space in some of the others. But we will have, an, again, like in previous years, a completely sold-out summer camp. And then I'm going to Spain in August. I'm taking some players to Spain. Some of you, if you want to come with me, you can come with me to Spain. We are going to the Milo Sanchez Academy. We're going to have a great time there. My buddy Emilio, who wrote the foreword for my new book, The Secrets of Spanish Tennis, second edition. Thanks, Emilio. Appreciate it. Uh, so we'll be going to the beautiful Emilio Sanchez Academy in Barcelona and I'll be doing my, that's my vacation time. I'm really excited to get back to Barcelona because I haven't been there since the, basically since the pandemic. It's been a couple of years now. So I, I miss my home away from home in Barcelona. Going to be seeing a lot of old friends, visiting academies, and getting some much needed vacation time with my family. We love Spain so much. And guys, I will see you on the next program. Adios. God bless. We hope you enjoyed the program. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and recommend the show to your friends. We greatly appreciate your likes and shares. Thank you for your support of the show and for helping us grow our audience. If you would like to train with Chris, please visit chrislewitt.com for more info. You can also join Chris's online school, clta.teachable.com, and follow his blog at prodigymaker.com. A reminder that all show archives can be found at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Vamos.